0: the High Neighbor Podcast, brought to you by the Multimedia Studio at Passive Community Abundant Life Center. And now your host, Pastor Victor Redfoot.
1: Hi Neighbor, we're glad to have you all with us today. We have a special guest that we'd like to introduce to you, Tom McLaughlin who lives here at Pasifant, and beside me is the co-host,
0: Dolores Fruth, and she's going to ask the first question. Thank you. A few years ago, I met a new couple on our campus by the name of Lois and Tom McLaughlin. They happened to be celebrating their wedding anniversary. Since most of us at this retirement community have double-digit anniversaries, I was surprised to discover that this was their first one. <laughs> Tom is here today to tell us the rest of the story. So, Tom, let's start with the story of your early life, where you grew up, and all those good things.
1: My early life, I grew up in Manaca Heights, right? Monaga Heights was a nice place to live. It was called Skeeter Hill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Skeeter Hill. And it was easy going to school in the morning if you had to go to school to Monaca. But when you come home at night, it took you three times as long because the hill was pretty.
0: It's 14th Street
1: <laughs> Hill. 14th Street Hill. Yeah, hill. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: I know it will. Yeah.
1: But uh, when I was a child uh, living on Spire Avenue, Monaca Heights, I I was busy, and this is through my whole life I've been busy. I actually started working when I was eight years old. And the jobs I did was I passed the newspapers. I uh, uh, did lawn mowing, washing windows, car washing, uh, uh, office cleaning. I worked in a service station. I worked on a dairy farm. I worked on a chicken, apple farm. <laughs> and in my junior year of high school, I was working at the Phoenix Glass Company in Manaca.
0: You were a jack and, of all trades. And
1: going to school at the same time, right? But I had an unfortunate thing happen to me. I was diagnosed with uh, acute rheumatic pericarditis. And that put me in bed. And But a wonderful thing happened. They come up with that year... With a radio device, I was homeschooled. I was able to hear everything that went on in the classroom, and uh, they weren't able to hear me until I pushed the little button down right <laughs> but this was this was great. But when you push the button down sometimes, right when the teacher left the room, the kids would start talking to me, right and so I would push the button down and talk and <laughs> All at once, I would leave the button up, and there was perfect silence in the room, <laughs> which meant the teacher returned. <laughs> but it was good, and it's still a, a thing. Uh, it, it was uh, came from Bell Telephone across the bridge, Monaco-Rochester Bridge, to the high school. High school was wired. Uh, the teacher had a little box on the side and uh, that was it, and that was the first year, and it's still an active thing, and it's a very good thing because you're yes. right in the classroom yeah. yeah. I That's
0: had true. a nephew who had a similar experience, yeah at home and was flat on his back and had that kind of experience oh, that yeah. you did
1: yeah i had I spent the whole year I was allowed twenty five steps a day, and uh, the rest of the time I spent in a wheelchair, but when I graduated in 1952, I went to work uh, as an apprentice draftsman at Banco Engineering in Bamford, and I was going to Geneva at night, right? Now, I wanted to get into the service. I really did. All all of my buddies were leaving to get in service, and I thought I wanted to do that, too. So I went to my doctor and says, uh, I know I'm probably not healthy enough, to get into the service, but could I get, in, like, into the merchant marines? And he says, Tom, try the doctor, or try the Navy doctors. And he said, because they're the best doctors, and you're going to need one. <laughs> and and I didn't need one. But I was able to, uh, to make it through uh, and spend my four years. And then when I come out of the service, uh, I worked... Uh, First of all, as a chase man for a finance company. That was kind of a, you know, if you didn't pay, I was at your place, right? And uh, then I worked on the Pennsylvania Railroad, Conway Yards. I worked at J&L Steel. At J&L Steel, I had three jobs. I started as a copy machine operator. And uh, then I went to teletype operator, and then I got to computer operator. When I got to computer operator, I was, I was able to have a salary job, right? And fortunately, I had it because I had another relapse, right? And I was off work for three months, and the boss would come to my house every night <laughs> to make sure I was still sick, right? <laughs> but, and then, <laughs> and then uh, I worked at uh, Moultriep Steel National Electric, Back to the railroad, I worked at Employment Security as an interviewer, and I went to work for the state police. And I retired in 1984. Uh, I was only 49 years old when I retired, but I was able to put my time together, right, to do that. I bought my service time back, and I also had the time with the as an interviewer. So I was able to retire at age 49. Good. And uh, that, that's about it. But I had so many jobs, and then after I retired, I had so many jobs. But I probably did more uh, more volunteer work than I did uh, anything else. Yeah.
0: And you're still volunteering here. Oh yeah. Yes, volunteer. you are.
1: Yeah. I I think it, it, this is something. You know, we have a relationship here that you didn't have in your own neighborhood. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. An f- example is Nicole, who was my neighbor where I lived in, Center Township, right? <laughs> and she was a few a few hours away. I met her here, right? <laughs> And that's the well, way it That's goes. amazing. Yeah, yeah. And there's such an atmosphere of love and peace. And there is, yeah. And security yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, uh, uh, wife and I have no children. Uh, my, my my first wife and I had no children. Either the woman that I was married to for fifty years, but we got involved up here, right? We have like secondhand family, right? Now. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Betty Mooney, right? Looked exactly like my aunt, Aunt Sadie, right? I told her that, and I brought her a picture of my aunt Sadie. And she says, okay, I'm Aunt Sadie, right? So that made Bucky and Tammy my oh, cousins, yes. right? <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. They're, they're active on the campus all the all time. There. In spite of their disabilities. Yes. Yes. Well, um, what's been your greatest challenge? Maybe I shouldn't ask you this <laughs> since you had so many.
1: Yeah. Well, the challenge was that when we retired, wife and I retired, uh, we we both, as I said, we retired at age 49. She was from LTV Steel. Was J- J&L had been sold and was LTV Steel. And uh, when she retired, at that time, 1972, uh, a new rule came into effect. It says if a company went bankrupt, and that's what happened with LTV, if they go bankrupt, that... Uh, There was a new law that had to do with the Pension Guarantee Corporation, right, that says the employer had to put money on your behalf in the event of a company going bankrupt, right? Because up to that time, if they went bankrupt, nothing. You know, that was it. It was over, right? So we had that in mind. But what we didn't know was that LTV was given a waiver, so that had uh, reflect on our on our pensions right so uh l t v then then meant uh, liars, thieves, and vultures right
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and my wife and I joined the tunnel rats, okay the tunnel rats was a group of people that were certainly dissatisfied over what was happening with their pension and um the reason we were called Tunnel rats is the tunnel was the entrance into into LTV Steel. And there was a man there that had a newspaper business where you could go and buy a newspaper. Well, he gave us the building. So the building, we painted red, white, and blue, and we called it Fort Justice. Right? But we was fortunate because a guy come along and saved us. He was a Catholic priest. He was Father Jay Geisler and he had a different plan he says we're going to pray right so we did pray but we did it in the middle of the street right yeah on our knees with the our father right we did that in washington dc we did it in new york bankruptcy court we did it all over the place right and the, we also spent time. I mean, we, we lost our battle, right? We went out and we got petitions signed. We were actually trying to get health insurance for anybody, you know, to have the sim- similar program as you had with the, with the other corporation, all right? And uh, so we, we eventually took thousands of signatures to Capitol Hill, and, and they weren't interested <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we made we made we we caused a lot of things. We went to New York to bankruptcy court and we and we stopped the uh, the procedure of letting anybody get in there because we had about five busloads of people and and all at once on the other side of the road was a police officer with a bullhorn and he says, "If you guys don't get off there we're going to arrest all of you, but if you want" you can move over to the other side of the street and we got a podium for
0: it,
1: <laughs> so, so that was it. And then proceeded to tell us these were guys that, that had lost their jobs you know, prior to that. And uh, it was, it was kind of interesting. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. What brought you to Pacifant?
1: Oh, a couple things brought me to pacific. Uh mm-hmm. The same group I was telling you about. Uh, my father-in-law had a stroke and he was in Swickley Hospital, and they had assigned him a nursing home. Well, my wife and I went and looked, and we did not like the place at all. So I was really upset, and I only had two days to, you know, otherwise he was going to be shipped out to that place. And as luck would have it, the day, the very day that I was looking at that place myself, uh, this group of guys went up, came here. And uh, it was a senator, Pennsylvania. No, national uh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> United States senator, right? Yeah. Okay. And he was here giving speech. So the next day that I went to the tunnel, like I always did, uh, one of the gentlemen said, if I ever get sick, that's where I want to go. So that's we came up here, and that's what we did, right? And then the second reason I came here for... Was uh, I did a show. I did a juggling show up here. I got to the, and it said, okay, I got a letter here, and it says, uh, Mr. Tom Juggles McLaughlin, Newgate Drive, Manacapa, Thank you very much for bringing your performance to our residents here in Pessiman Retirement Health Center. That's what it was called, man. Right? Yes. And it says, you're juggling of such a variety of juggables. I called it junk before, you know, like I would put something in, I would have two balls and one that squeaked or something, right? (laughs) But so I did that, right? And it says, uh, uh, was unique, and the unicycle certainly was a first for us, right? (laughs) So so this is the reason I came here, right? And then my father-in-law passed away that year and uh, at that time, I was down at, village, at Camp Conaqui. I was a village director down there. And uh, my wife would visit my, my father, her father, every day. Right? And she would stop by at the camp and maybe eat with us down there. You know. but, uh, and then my brother-in-law came here. It was hard to get him up here, too, because I had to talk him into it, right? But we got him up here. And he spent his most of his last days here, right? Yeah. So uh, you, you could understand why I <laughs> right. wanted to come here, yeah.
0: Well, tell us about some of your hobbies or oh. something that you're passionate yeah. about.
1: Well, I, I got into archery in a big way. Uh, you know, I started off as a kid 12 years old, bow and arrow for Christmas. And then I uh, was a successful deer hunter. And uh, I went to Penn State, and I got uh, certified as a National Archery Association instructor and a hunter safety instructor. And when I came home, I got so excited at at that school. I really did. The history of archery is fascinating, you know. Probably, I mean, it goes back to B.C., and and you think about it, right? Maybe more people were killed with arrows than with atomic bomb. You know, it's 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 highly possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I got deep into it, and uh, I went home, and I I got a charter for Ambridge uh, for a Olympic Junior Olympic program that just started. See, at that time of the year. Archery was coming back to the Olympics, all right, In 1972, it, and the last time it happened was in O something, right? Oh, no. yeah. And the reason was that no, no country had the same rules for archery, and it was hard to determine who won. So what they did is they got a group, 138 nations, that got together and says these, these are the the rules, right? So I was able to get these kids. I would take them to Detroit, Michigan, for three years on a bus, and they sold raffle tickets to afford it. And they would compete in this the biggest archery event in the world. And that was an indoor championship. It was Cobo Hall now, it's Joe, Joe, Joe Lewis arena now, right. And uh, we became very popular because the kids came and uh, in a group like this, and the story behind them. And it wasn't just local newspaper that we got a lot of uh, publicity in, but also the archery magazines were after us. You know, it wasn't like, say, I wanted to be in your yeah. So w- we did that. And uh, then there was a problem. We, had, uh, we were shooting Junior Olympic, but we were indoors inside Park Road School in, in Ambridge is where I was teaching. And uh, so we had a field given to us, all right? We could have shot the Olympics on it, and I was I was fortunate enough, all right, to talk my lieutenant, the state police, to come in with the state police helicopter and take aerial shots when we opened the field, okay? Now, the field was owned by, oh, boy, I can't forget his name. I, I don't remember his name, I should say. He owned Spangs, or one of them companies, right? Oh,
0: yes. Yeah,
1: yeah, and... Um, But we got a lot of publicity for that, and we got into the archery magazines, uh, and real popular. But what happened with the Junior Olympics, and I I actually went on to become a professional archer. Right? I went through the procedures, a, a year apprenticeship, and I even went farther than that because I went to be a professional archery instructor. But I only lasted three years. And because they knew, if you know anything about archery now, it's the new compound bows that they have. It's not like the ones that, uh, that the Indians use. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and so uh, they, they really, now I could see no reason why I should have a junior Olympic team and shoot compound bows, right? And you can't shoot it in the Olympics, right? So I did. After two years of being a pro and doing this, I stopped the whole thing, right? But then I got into. Of course, I'm a juggler, right? And I, I didn't have any intention of being a juggler other than for my, for my own enjoyment and my own exercise. But uh, my one of my wife's friends, her son was in a magic group, and. Uh, from Beaver County and uh, they talked me and they said well if you'll come and teach us juggling we'll teach you a little magic right so I became to, uh, a member of that group and uh, I also got into uh, getting on the stage I never thought I would but I, I the first job that I had after I joined the International Jugglers Association was uh, to teach kids uh, uh, how to juggle okay and and um, uh, then I went to work for the, uh, for the city all right, uh, as a strolling juggler. And I thought of me starting out, not planning on ever going stage, right, and, and just for exercise. And I ended up at, uh, at nice places, like I, Senator Hines's, uh, I think it was called Rosemont or something like that. Yeah. I got to juggle up there. Very nice man, very nice man. When we when we showed up and he says I know you're here as an entertainer but you're also my guest you can eat with us right and that's the way it was it was good so I was working for city parks is who I was working for right yeah and the children's festival is where I was juggling yeah,
0: yeah. well you certainly have told us a lot of things that we didn't know about Tom <laughs> yeah I'll tell you yeah. that yeah. in your lifetime what changes have you seen that influenced you well
1: I I, I Obviously I don't have a unicycle anymore. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: So you have to downgrade a bit, right? And, yes. but I still have touches of it. You know, I I still I, well I the 4th of July parade I uh, I rode my bike and then I would stop and then I would juggle. You know, and that was my thing, right? So, uh I I don't miss that too much. Uh I even do it. I maybe I shouldn't do it. <laughs> But I do it on the treadmill. Sometimes I juggle in the yeah, in the fitness center.
0: Well, that's very interesting. Yep. I uh, I think you've had a great life and and have done so many various things. Yeah. I can't believe it. Yeah. I, I
1: I also like to to write, right, letters to the editor. No. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I was also uh. I got to be with uh, Gary Utley, uh, ABC TV, right? And it uh, was on the weekend. And uh, it was a program called um, Social Insecurity, right? And I kicked kicked it off, right? And I didn't even, I know it was going to happen, but I didn't get to see it, right? But I had a a cousin who called me and he says, Tom, didn't you retire from the state police? <laughs> I said, yeah. Yeah, but yeah I, it was exciting and uh, then of course I make uh, walking sticks you know that
0: no uh, I, I didn't yeah know that. I make
1: yeah I make walking sticks and uh, uh, for the gala I go down for the gala for for the uh, uh, what am I trying to say <laughs> 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 for the foundation okay yes yeah and uh, for Lutheran senior yeah, life yeah and uh, for the last two years I've I made walking sticks and, and, and you know, it's a silent auction down there. Well, uh, when we went there last year, uh, Steve Blass was uh, the speaker, Yes, right? he was. And he bought one of my sticks. I And and it was... I didn't realize it, but he must have been the man that invented Raised the Jolly Roger, right? So that's what I had a club that said Raise the Jolly Roger, right? Oh, yeah. So the other day, well, when they... We're going to, they won the game that would put them in the game being played in their place, you know. And I saw Mattha (laughs) raising the stick, right?
0: You saw your walking stick. Yeah, I saw my walking stick. (laughs) Well, that's great. We also uh, know that you're married to Lois, who is quite a volunteer here. Yeah. And we appreciate all that both of you do. Well, thank
1: you very much. I appreciated being here. (laughs) Well, our time is running out, but I'm sure pleasure getting to know you, Tom. You and likewise, yes. You've made inroads into a lot of different areas and had tremendous
0: experiences. Thank you for coming and being with us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Life's a bowl of cherries. Yeah.
0: Yes. I've really learned a lot about you, Tom. (laughs) Yes. (laughs)